0: listening to Impact Zone, the soon voice of Michigan State University basketball. Bringing you news, updates and more. Impact Zone is, is here. We're about to have a lot of fun today. Julian Mitchell, Amanda Poole alongside myself, Ryan Cole as we have. First off, actual basketball to talk about. So Hooray. Yes, yes. sports. Yes. Get excited. Get excited. But we also have a fabulous segment of predictions, awards watch lists, and things like that that we're going to get to. I, I I can't contain myself. I'm just so excited because this this is where we put it all on the line for the entire season, our entire predictions and everything. And if you get even one of them wrong at the end of the season, you're out. That's you're off the podcast.
1: I have anxiety.
2: Okay, that's good. I have a perpetual thought that I'm gonna get fired from any job that I'm in. So oh, like yeah. this is fine. This the, is okay. This it's gonna happen at some so I don't it's have like, an office or anything it's here. Like, it's
0: <laughs> like the the fire all around you, right? <laughs> this is fine. This is fine. <laughs> it's okay. Well, uh, very excited to have you guys along here. Episode three of Impact Is Zone season six. And let's get started off. We're just gonna keep this quick talking about the exhibition game. Uh, At the Breslin Center on Tuesday night, that was against Northern Michigan, Division II Northern Michigan, and well, it was a game for about 30 seconds, and then uh, Michigan State did what they're supposed to do in an exhibition game. They walloped the Wildcats, 93-47 to was the final score. Uh, Julian and I were on the call, we were uh, having a good time doing some play-by-play there. Well, How was it? What was your experience like?
2: Uh, it was an absolutely wonderful time to finally see some basketball on the floor. We've been talking mm-hmm. about this team so much to start the season and actually see them take the floor was great. And then the call was fantastic. I mean, I'm sitting up there with you, looking into your eyes as we watch basketball was just
0: <laughs> the highlight.
2: Wow, I really missed highlight. out. <laughs> you missed out
1: <laughs> as we
0: bonded over looking into each other's eyes, gazing, peering into each uh, other. I, I, I'm speechless. I don't know man to say something. Wow. I'm, I'm you know, blushing over here.
1: Honestly, maybe I'm I'm glad I wasn't there to ruin that moment for you guys. <laughs> Take away from that specialness.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was uh it was special indeed, but Michigan State, I mean, they played special to start out. I mean, they had a few runs throughout that game that really just I mean, they they did exactly what I don't think they'd done a lot last year against teams that they're supposed to beat. Uh, especially like ex- exhibition games and things like that. I mean, we saw Ferris State hang around last year. We saw Georgia hang around. Against Northern Michigan, who just had their first winning season since 2006 to 2007, by the way, up there in Marquette, they took them down from the start. It was 43-13 to 13 at the half. At the half, Northern had uh, was shooting 5 of 32 at the break. So... If you want to look at you know, Michigan State's individual stats, we're going to get to that. But first off, they started off with some great defense.
2: Yeah, defense was the key in this one, and that's why, as you kind of alluded to, the Northern Michigan was not allowed to stick around in this basketball game. The defense was fantastic. Izzo came in with the game plan of keying in on Naba Eccles and Isaiah Johns and the two guards for Northern Michigan. And they did a nice job of that. Winston played great defense, but also the game plan, like I said, was great. They did a nice job of not switching on ball screens. They brought two men up to sort of shadow Eccles and keep him from getting a driving lane. But there was no switching involved. Winston stayed on his
0: man, and all around, it was just a great effort. He kept trying to split that defense. And it just wouldn't really work because I don't think he had ever played against such talented, you know, bigs as, as Michigan state has. So speaking of talented bigs, it really centered around Nick Ward, Nick Ward, 24 points on the day, eight of 13 shooting nine rebounds. Uh, and then, I mean, the rebounding margin, not surprised. It was 57 32 in favor of Michigan state, uh, the Spartans shot, uh, pretty well from the field. I'm also trying to figure out this box score thing uh, that, oh, that Michigan State has switched to. I'm not going to go on a Tom Izzo rant about it in the direction of uh, Mex Carey, the SID, but um, I definitely preferred the old box scores. So it, as far as uh, that goes, I'm trying to figure out what Michigan State shot throughout the day. 29 of 59, which is
2: 49.2%.
0: 40, 49.2%, yes, okay. We found that six of 22 from three. That's the only problem. And I think one of the issues was a guy like Josh Langford didn't really play that well. And when he disappeared, you could you could tell. Now, he shot eight free throws and made all eight. So he ended up with 12 points. But on two of eight from the field and oh for four from three, Josh Langford, I think that was that was one of the big takeaways from that game is he's a very important key as far as if he disappears. Michigan State, it, you kind of notice it.
1: Well, he's just kind of that consistent player that we all look to. Or, you know, the, the fans, the coaches, they all see him as that consistent player that's always going to be there doing his job. And if he's not there, yeah, you're going to notice, especially um, if he's not playing to his potential.
0: And especially against a D2 Northern Michigan team. You'd oh, think yeah. You'd think that's a team that he can get a lot of those pull-up jumpers, mid-range shots that he knocked down so well last year. Uh, I, I wonder you know, where he is going into this year. Look, like maybe it was just a tough game. You know, and, and maybe we're overrating the the issues there, but um something to watch there for sure. Cassius Winston played well as well, thirteen points on six of eight shooting. He hit one of his two three point attempts. Uh and then Izzo played fifteen guys. That's not a surprise. Um not Eccles and uh what was it? Isaiah Johnson two guys that or seniors for Northern Michigan they they got a little bit better in the second half there Eccles had a nice game he uh he scored 23 on 9 of 17 but I mean when it comes down to it they got to play around with lineups and that's exactly what time is I wanted
2: yeah and that's what you want out of an exhibition game is to be able to see what players you're gonna have go out on the floor night in and night out especially with the way this um this early schedule was set up for Michigan State you look at You have to take what you can from this exhibition and then, of course, the scrimmage, the private scrimmage they held against Gonzaga, and then move that on to a great Kansas team that you're going to have to play in the Champions Classic coming up soon. So this was big for Tom Izzo to see who he can work with.
0: Xavier Tillman, 10 rebounds on the day he led Michigan State in rebounds. I picked him to uh, be the leading scorer. That was definitely a wrong pick because he only had seven. Uh, Nick Ward was picked by young Julian over here. So (laughs) great job on the, uh, the pick over there. Thank you, sir. Uh, you had him scoring 24 as well.
2: I did. I am a prophet.
0: I am. <laughs> <laughs> let's not. Let's, Whoa. Whoa. let's just skip right to it. Julian's a prophet. Okay. Uh, the other two stats I want to get out so we can. Just, do we have enough room for the size of his head right now? It's just like. He, he just.
1: If you guys were here, he you know. said that with a complete straight face, too, in yes. all seriousness.
0: <laughs> I am a prophet.
1: <laughs> this is, there was no laughing.
0: Because it is a fact. <laughs> it is a fact. Uh, Michigan State led by 49 at one point in the second half. It was a 22-0 run, by the way. That it, it was a 9-7 game at one point. Michigan State scored 22 straight after that. So, look, say what you will about, yeah, Northern Michigan and everything, but, but we saw an explosion there from Michigan State. 40 fast-break points as well. They had 25 in the first half to the Spartans, so not only did they play well... You know, defensively, but they created transition opportunities. And that's important because that's Tom Izzo basketball is getting out in transition. Real quick, um, here are some of the thoughts of Tom Izzo, of course. Of course, he had many. Uh, just here's kind of a little bit of his opening statement after that game.
3: You might wonder what we got out of that. I, I, I did get a lot out of it. I, I thought Cassius played a lot better than he did Saturday and the things I needed him to do. Uh, Nick was as solid as he was Saturday, Saturday against... You know, maybe better competition, but today um, Nick played within himself. I um, thought we got more out to of McQuaid today. I thought I think you can see where Aaron Henry has got a chance to be. Um, I think a freshman that can play right away because he's got the strength to do it.
0: Playing in front of the home crowd, of course, very important. But Michigan State also they so they typically have two exhibition games in front of the home crowd. Only one this season, and why is that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, we didn't. <laughs> Wait, you didn't. Okay. Well, we didn't. I asked myself, and I'm giving myself the answer. And our wonderful listeners out there of the Impact Zone podcast, Michigan State played in a secret shh, exhibition game. We're gonna keep it down. Whisper. It's just turned into an ASMR. Okay. Welcome to NPR. <laughs> Welcome to Impact Zone NPR. Michigan State played in a secret exhibition game with Gonzaga in Minnesota. And what happened? Michigan State lost oh, in a secret exhibition. How do we know? Well, how do we know because Brendan Quinn of the Athletic found like all the stats of the secret exhibition game. <laughs>
1: so, That's what sourcing out.
0: That's how you get sourcing, everybody. So, just very briefly, Michigan State and Gonzaga, they played two halves, basically, and then they reset the score at halftime. Gonzaga won both of the halves. Uh, Michigan State hung around with them for the first half, but Gonzaga pulled away at the end, 58-46 in that first half, quote-unquote. Second half, quote-unquote, Michigan State actually led for a bit of it, and then Gonzaga kind of came back. 52-46 was the end of that one. Nick Ward had 22 points and 12 rebounds. All reports were that Michigan state kind of centered around him. Cassius Winston, 16 points and eight assists, but six turnovers. Part of, I believe I read 19 turnovers for Michigan state and we've seen turnovers be an issue. Now they, they didn't turn the ball over much 12 times uh, against Northern Michigan. They worked on it a bit, but 19 turnovers against Gonzaga. That's something we'll be watching all year. Um, All all reports were that Tom Izzo was pretty happy with the experience. We talked with him actually the day after they returned from Minnesota. And he was happy about the way that it was. He's never done this. He always wants to get in front of the fans twice, right? However, he he alluded to the fact that, hey, you know, we might try to do this again in the future, especially against some of these top teams. Gonzaga's a top five team in the country, by the way, in the preseason. Michigan State at number 10. Gonzaga rated number three to five in just about every poll. So this is no pushover game, or even like last year they played against Georgia in that charity game out in uh, Grand Rapids. This is a top-ten matchup happening in the preseason in some random gym in Minnesota. <laughs> so so I, I, I'm always a proponent of, hey, the fans should be able to see this, but they also, you know this kind of snuck by people, right? And, and it kind of snuck by us. I'm probably mentioning it more now than just about any media member has probably because Tom Izzo doesn't want us to draw all these crazy conclusions. Oh, well, just had six turnovers against Gonzaga. He's never going to play good against a big team, right? You could see all the takes coming out of that, right? Oh, if, yeah. if it was in front of fans, but, of but that's, that's pretty much that, you know, um, Tom Izzo, like I said, he was happy about it. Um, I think we could see this more in the future. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I think this is this is a fantastic idea, especially if you're trying to build a top program. Like, As you said, it's great for fans to get a look at the team, but this team, if they're going to keep playing schedules like this where you take on a Kansas as the first game of your regular season, you have to play top programs, and this gives you a better look before you go out and run with lineups that you have no idea are going to work, and especially against Gonzaga, as you said, a top Tim team with mm-hmm. guys like... Uh, Killian Tilly, who's fantastic. they got a great guy in Rui Hachimura from Japan, who's a fantastic potential NBA draft prospect. So to have your guys play against people like that, that sets your team up for success later on down the
1: line. I
0: think it sets you up more than a northern Michigan, right?
1: Yeah, and I, I also think it's this whole idea of Michigan State basketball kind of being quiet in the preseason and now, you know, having this kind of secretive game and just focusing on the basketball aspect of everything and just focusing on that instead of, you know, like, oh, like, you know, the fans and blah, blah, blah. Like, yes, that's great, but they're just focusing on getting better and doing that with this, like, low-key scrimmage is a great way to do it.
0: I think that's a great point, especially with a younger team, you know, with five freshmen like that. Yes, it's it can scare the heck out of them to go and throw them to the dogs against the number three team. And, by the way, they're playing the number one preseason team in their first regular season game. So there's there's an aspect of, yeah, you'd like them to just tune up into the college game against some lower opponents. But there's also the aspect of this is a way to get them focused and not out in the public eye, and and we know with and Tom Izzo, here's my Tom Izzo social media rant with Twitter and everything like that, you know, and with <laughs> that was <good>. with
1: uh, <laughs> you really sounded like Tom Izzo for a second there. I,
0: I I appreciate it, but but you know with everybody would get on everybody's backs just after, hey, a foster lawyer had three turnovers in front of everybody against Gonzaga, all of a sudden here come the the angry fans, the angry tweets, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. With a secret scrimmage, you're absolutely right. It kind of takes them out of the limelight. Which is, hey, that's what the Spartans like. Getting out of the limelight. Now, one topic that's kind of been thrown around here in the preseason that I want to get to before we do all our predictions and everything. Marcus Bingham Jr. The freshman out of Grand Rapids 6 foot 11 listed at 215 he stepped on campus about 195 and probably a 195 dripping wet that guy is long and lean i i don't think he has an ounce of body fat on him i mean he's he's skinny
2: he's skinny he's he it's like you ever go to a restaurant uh, like a chinese restaurant or you know one of those Hokkaido restaurants and you get the chopsticks he's basically two chopsticks put together that's all he is. It's just easy to break, very skinny, very tiny for a guy so tall.
1: But very useful. Chopsticks are very, very useful.
0: If used the right way. Look,
2: look at those connections. Look at this. Look at, look at the analogies.
0: I'm a big fan.
1: Lop
2: big that fan boy with... up and she threw it down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of like Marcus Bingham in that kinda preseason like game, Bingham. by the way. Marcus Bingham in the preseason game, it was hilarious. As, as we're calling this, his first shot attempt as a Spartan, he goes up to dunk it, but he like kind of goes like backwards. And and he just gets just hacked, just just blocked away and not even close, right? He he just didn't have the power to put it in. And Julian and I are calling the game, and I, I just kind of say, you know, that's that's what we're talking about with Marcus Bingham. He's got to be stronger, right, and attack the rim more, you know, and go get it. What does he do after that? I think it was like the next three possessions. It was three-point make from the corner, put back dunk, off of a three from Langford, I believe. And then another like three and then an, and one. So Marcus Bingham finishes four for six with 12 points in nine minutes. (laughs) Some would say that's efficient. (laughs) After I called him out on the, on our recording, it wasn't on the air or anything. And so Julian's call was funny. I was like, he said, I hear you, Ryan Cole. <laughs> <laughs> all the way up in the media. I don't. It was just all of a sudden, you know, he goes out there and he slams it in and he shows power. He shows an inside outside game. But we still are talking about the possibility of Marcus Bingham Jr., one of the top rated players in the state of Michigan, redshirting because of his lack of physical size. And that's been. Probably the biggest topic with this team right now is, does Marcus Bingham redshirt or not? Because if he plays one minute against Kansas, he's done. He can't redshirt. Tom Izzo ranted a little bit about um, football. You can play four games, but if you play one minute in basketball, you're done. One second, actually. So I'm kind of curious to hear what you guys think, but first off, going to hear a little bit of Tom Izzo talking about what the thought process is with Michigan State and with Marcus Bingham.
3: I told DJ on the bench, you know, we're not sure what we're going to do with Marcus and he scores 100 points and uh, now he probably thinks he's ready for stardom. But he did do a nice job. It just, uh, you know, we got to make some decisions. We're going to talk to his family. Uh, it's, it's a matter of whether he's strong enough to play against certain players.
0: So Marcus Bingham, like I said, 6'11", 195 four-star recruit one of the most talented players in the state of Michigan and we're talking about him redshirting I mean Julian what do you think as far as what Michigan State should do or what they think they will do here
2: I think Tom Izzo isn't quite a pickle with this one I think this is this as we said going through his highlights in that exhibition game this is a very very talented prospect he can shoot the ball he can dunk he's so tall his wingspan is absolutely ridiculous even longer than Jaron Jackson Jr.'s when he was here And it's hard to see a guy like him redshirting. I think that's definitely, it's hard to keep a talent like him off the floor. But I would understand it. I think he definitely needs to develop some strength, and especially if you're playing in the Big Ten and against, you know, other guys like the players Kansas has, he's going to get bodied. He's going to get boxed around. He's going to get in foul trouble, so he won't end up seeing that many minutes. And then also Michigan State has a lot of depth at that position. You look at Nick Ward, Xavier Tillman, Kenny Goins, Kyle Kyle Arnes, all those guys have to play at some point. And it gets down to the point of, where does Izzo see him slotted in that rotation? Is he going to play enough that redshirting him won't matter? Um, so it'll be an interesting decision. I feel like Michigan State is going to have to – I think they're going to end up playing him. I think Marcus Bingham feels that he wants to play, and he can play at this level,
0: and I think Izzo is going to let him go. So one vote for not redshirting him.
1: i you that. I'm gonna You're going to second, second that. Vote. Okay. I think that, yes, just like Julian said, he has so much potential with his wingspan, his height – his seven
0: five wingspan by the way. Literally that's
1: like three of me. That's okay, that's like one in like <laughs> a half. Okay. You let's do the I'm math saying. before
0: we say that. We so, gotta be we gotta be factual here on the Impactism <laughs> podcast. It's
1: dramatic, that's all. No, but literally, he has so much potential with his body. And the thing is, improving in this year, I mean, the Spartan program is the program to have the most improvement. Tom Izzo is that coach to really help him and and focus on him. Um improving his skill set and his body. I know that, you know, a couple players have already gone through huge body changes. Nick Ward, Xavier Tillman. I mean, what's to say Marcus isn't another one of these body changes that the Spartans um, help throughout the season.
0: And especially with and so if he red shirts, he can still work out with the team, he still practices and everything. He just can't play in games. But I agree on that with with the fact that I think Nick Ward and Xavier Tillman saw what they have to play against and felt what they have to play against. And that's what pushed them to get better in the offseason. Marcus Bingham, I think if you, like we said, throwing him to the dogs, right? Throw him into a tough, physical Big Ten conference or a tough, physical number one Kansas team or that Las Vegas Invitational, they play UCLA and then the winner of North Carolina, Texas. Throw him into those situations and I think he will realize, okay, I'm not ready, but, you know, get through my freshman season, and then I can bulk up, especially in the off season and work on eating everything and get into the weight room. And so I, I, I agree. I think we'll make it three for three. I think he's just too talented to leave off the court too. We saw that in the exhibition game. I I think that given everything in this situation, he, he needs to play and, Michigan State especially in the front court the front court's not nearly as deep as it was last year even though he's a wiry string bean i think you still need him as an extra body in the front court yeah. too so i think Michigan State needs him and i think he needs Michigan State i think he needs to play so i think we're going to make it 3 for 3 here which which is crazy you know we're allowed to disagree on the podcast by the way we can.
2: Hey, don't look at me. I started this off. You all followed. <laughs>
0: it. The prophet. The prophet. <laughs> I knew that was coming. So, all right. I can't believe we're going to have to put up with Prophet Julian here for the rest of the <laughs> year.
1: Calling people chopsticks.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a good analogy. You picked it up and, yeah, and slammed it. Home. Good job. Now, before we get to the predictions, we missed our Twitter questions last week. We? I missed our Twitter <laughs> questions last week.
1: <laughs> uh, uh,
0: uh. <sighs> unbelievable! This is, this is crazy. I've never had two people come in to the podcast and just think they own the thing. Also, I haven't ever had really like new he's, members. He's it's been, <laughs> been, yeah, so I understand. But hey, it's okay. It's fine. I I will take the blame. We missed our hashtag impact his own. Twitter questions. You can always tweet at us using that hashtag, hashtag Impact Zone. Let us know your thoughts, just your questions, what 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 you think of uh, you know Julian and Amanda's first appearances on the show. If you agree that Julian's a prophet, anything. hashtag Impact is own. Let's get two Twitter questions in for today about this team before we get into our predictions. We'll keep this brief because the predictions are the meat of the show. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Ryan Rabinowitz at Ryan Rabinowitz 4, one of our impactors here and a co-host of the Green White Report with young Julian over there, the My prophet. Guy. He says a lot of hype around foster lawyer coming into this season. How much can Spartan fans expect to see him on the court and what will his role be? Hashtag impact is on. So I'm going to start with Amanda over here. The the young man out of Clarkston, Michigan, Mr. Basketball, Foster Lawyer.
1: Well, seeing him in the exhibition game was good. You saw him do his thing. He wasn't kind of scared to you know throw those assists and I don't know. I think he has a lot of work to do on defense mm-hmm. a lot of work um it just depends on how well he does with that and how much Cassius is you know willing to let him get on the court and and i I just don't think he's going to see that much playing time just because the conference is going to be tough, and I think Cassius can hold his own with the starting lineup they have. But um, I know that Izzo sees a lot in Foster, and I don't know, his role could just be to give Cassius a little break here and there.
2: Yeah, I would agree with Amanda. I definitely—Foster played 12 minutes in the exhibition game. Cassius only played 22. I definitely see a range sort of like that going forward throughout the regular season. I think Cassius plays a few more minutes. So Lawyer will be around maybe a 10- or less-minute guy. I think he's definitely someone who gives Winston breaks so he can sit on the bench, catch some breath, but he's just so undersized. And he is a great player, there's no doubt about that, but a guy who's undersized, a freshman— He's not necessarily ready yet mm-hmm. to be the definitive backup point guard in split minutes with Winston back there. I think he's definitely someone who's who's going to be in there to ball handle as quarters end out.
0: I guess we're going three for three on this one too. My One of my biggest takes about this freshman class is everybody's excited about Foster Lawyer. I think he's going to struggle a little more than people think this year. I think being an in-state kid especially, winning state championships at the Class A level, uh, he's had the biggest name in high school basketball in the state of Michigan for a while so fans know who he is more than anybody else especially more than like a Aaron Henry who's been getting the most praise from the team this preseason but Aaron Henry's from Indianapolis not enough people know about him Foster Lawyer I think is going to struggle a little more than people think we actually saw Matt McQuaid play point guard before Foster Lawyer did in that exhibition game I mean that's that I think should scare some fans a little bit and give you pause and say, "Hey, maybe Foster Lawyer doesn't have as much of good grace as we think he does, as far as Tom Izzo and in, in the rotation." So, what is his role? I think his role has got to be, "Hey, M- Matt McQuaid shouldn't have to play backup point guard." Let's that's first of all is you've got to be the backup Foster Lawyer. But Cassius Winston played twenty eight point one minutes a game last year. I think he bumps that up to about thirty. Which means Foster, I think he gotta play that other ten and he's gotta get better defensively. You're exactly right, Amanda. That's that's what's lacking the most with Foster Lawyer. We I saw him get um you know, he he's gonna work at it. You know he will, because he wants to be a great guard here and he will, but I just don't think it's this year. So that's my that's my pick. Foster Lawyer, I think, struggles a little more. Yes, he can pass, but I mean, the defense Defensive deficiencies are going to be too much to put him on the court more than 10 minutes. So so we'll see, but I, I I think he's going to struggle a little more than people think this year. That's just me. Next question. At Thomas underscore Kafori, our international correspondent, oh. Tom Kafori, <laughs> uh, also a former roommate of mine, do you feel the success of this team hinges on the overall play of Cassius Winston? I want to start with the Prophet Julian.
2: There is a hundred percent no doubt in my mind that the success hinges on Cassius Winston, and and I think you know a big thing, as I said a, a couple of times, is that college basketball is predicated on guards and defense, and especially a Michigan State team. And so what Izzo prides himself on is having a great guard who can who can play, and Winston has got to step up. He's got to be more of an offensive scorer for this team, putting it on the deck, taking it to the basket, because mm-hmm. that's only gonna get the spread out the floor more and be kicks and dishes to Matt McQuaid for three, Tillman from fifteen feet. He has to open up so much within this offense for all the players. Whatever he does, wherever he goes, that's where Michigan State is going to go. Amanda?
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I also just think that Nick Ward is right there with him as in team leaders. And if the team is successful or not, both of those players are going to be that deciding factor, both of them. Cash is, yes, because he's the leader on the court. But so is Nick Ward down there and mm-hmm. they're each specific roles that they're playing on the court, it's going to be a huge factor.
0: I am going to – I think this is a good progression. You said 100% Cassius Winston, Julian. You were about 50-50, Amanda. I think it's 100% on Nick Ward. I think it is more than Cassius Winston because we've seen Cassius Winston, I think, be more consistent. We saw him lead the team in minutes – or he's the leading returner in minutes, at least, leading returner in points. I think what takes this team to the next level is Nick Ward becoming just dominant down low. I mean dominant, and that begins and ends with staying on the court and not fouling as much on defense. So, I think I think we've seen what we can get with Cassius Winston as far as a Spartan, you know, outlook as far as the program as you kind of you know what you're getting with Cassius. I think it hinges on does Nick Ward take that absolute next step forward? Cassius, he has to take another step forward defensively for sure and, and it it does ride on guards and defense but there's just something about Nick Ward that I think he can give more and I think that can take Michigan State further you know yeah I like for it. whatever reason I mean I, I'm very high on Cassius winston but I think I think the team's success I don't, I don't think it completely hinges on Cassius Winston. I think it's more on Nick Ward. I think Nick Ward definitely, he plays
2: a factor in how this team's going to play, and I am, I am with you in that mm-hmm. he is also going to be a big part. I just, in this day and age of where basketball is going, I have a very hard time oh, leaning yeah. on a player whose main game is to post up. Mm-hmm. And I think at a, at a certain point for me, when Nick Ward's not on the floor or when Nick Ward's being double teamed and has nowhere else to go, Winston is going to be the guy who's got to make a split-second decision when the shot clock's out because mm-hmm. I'm not giving it to Nick Ward with five seconds on the shot clock Yeah, to post
0: up. Well, and I, I said all last year, I think when it comes down to it, get get yourself a two-man game, mm-hmm. Cassius and a, a pick-and-roll from Nick Ward, right? I yep. think I think that's an exciting thing to watch when the shot clock comes down. Watch those two do it. We saw Denzel Valentine and Matt Costello do it tremendously their senior years back in 2016. Where shot clock's down to ten, you know what you're getting. I think they can do that a little mm-hmm. bit this year. And and what do you do? It's Cassius rolls over for a three. It's Ward rolls over for an alley oop. It's Cassius rolls in and and layup. I mean, the possibilities are endless with one little pick and roll. So I think we can. I think we can say it definitely hinges on both of them. But those are the two leaders. Those are it. So thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Thomas, for your Twitter questions. So now. I've had that song in my head forever, ever since they played it just nonstop at the football game, you know? Yeah, I'm so Rocky. Glad Rocky Lombardi. Look, Amanda. Wow. Oh, okay. oh my That wasn't goodness.
2: necessary. That I <laughs> was, I am on your side with that. That was that one. a cheap shot. Because okay? Rocky
0: is beautiful. No, I'm so
1: glad you shared it with us. <laughs> Love the energy. Wow.
0: Wow. It's prediction time. Michigan State basketball. Here we go. You lay it out all on the line for the glory of bragging rights at the end of the season. That's it. Let's make our predictions. Let's begin with what do you think Michigan State's regular season record will be? And we'll go overall and in the Big Ten. So I'm going to start with julian over here
2: okay all right starting off with my predictions the profit so the everybody profit. pay attention the profit. pay attention know. listen up listen up listen up because <laughs> i'm am... here make sure you pay attention because i'm going to speak in a parable and you gotta you gotta get this oh, you gotta pick this one man. up. <laughs> but so my prediction is that michigan state will finish with an overall record of 26 and 5 17 and 3 in the big 10 i have losses to kansas to start the season north carolina in the las vegas invitational i think michigan state runs through but falls to a very good North Carolina team. I think that's a close game. And then at Purdue, at Indiana, and at Wisconsin, I think those are all three games that Michigan State has the potential to go in and lose.
0: So yeah, them going undefeated at home, by the way. Two I do neutral site losses and three on the road.
2: I do. I think there are. I had some toss ups. I had a couple home losses, but I rolled with more away games. I think Michigan State picks it up on the in the Breslin on their floor, but heading to Purdue then Assembly Hall in Indiana, Wisconsin. These are all games where the
0: crowd is going to play a huge factor. They lost one game at home last year, by the way. That was the Michigan game. So we'll just keep that in mind. They've lost just about one or two home games each of the last few years. So that's that's just one that I'm throwing out there. I'm, I'm not going to give mine away yet right now. But let's go to Amanda.
1: So I've got a lot of confidence in this team this year. Uh, I've got them 28-3 overall. Ooh. Yep. that's that's okay. one. Okay. Wow,
0: hey, that was uh, that was their regular season record last year twenty eight
1: and three. Let's just see if history repeats itself. Oh,
0: okay. Mm-mm.
1: Yeah, I've got them. Same thing with Julian. I got them losing to Kansas, losing to North Carolina, and at Wisconsin.
0: One Big Ten loss. Wow, that's it. That? So they that's a that's running away with the Big Ten right. Oh there. yeah, yeah. I'm going. Lower than both of you. I, I'm saying they go 25 and 6 overall, 16 and 4 in Big Ten play. Uh, I will repeat the Kansas loss. I think all of us are picking that. We're going to talk about that game a little bit to end the show. Um, I will be there in, at the Champions Classic in Indianapolis with uh, Tino Abarca for Impact. I've got that loss. I've got them losing at Louisville, by the way. I've, they go out to Las Vegas, and I think they win that tournament, actually. I like their chances against UCLA and then North Carolina or Texas. But then they have to come home and then fly to Louisville to play in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. And I, for whatever reason, I just, I've got a feeling about that game. Louisville's not super strong or anything. They're not what they used to be, but I I just have that one there. I've got... Four Big Ten losses. I say they lose at Penn State. I just for whatever reason, I've I've liked Penn State. I know they lost Tony Carr, but um, uh, Shep Garner still comes back. They've got some good guys from the state of Pennsylvania. At Nebraska, now Nebraska getting a lot of preseason hype. They should have been in the tournament last year. By the way, they went thirteen and five in the Big Ten and didn't make the tournament. I've got them losing on the road there. I've got them. Losing at home to Indiana. That's the one that I have them losing. Watch that shooting guard battle between the Langfords, Romeo and Josh. That's going to be a fun one. And then Michigan. I think they split with Michigan, so I I think the easy one is to take them to lose on the road at Michigan. MSU and Michigan, I I think, are right there for the Big Ten, um, which we're going to get to in a second. But then I think they can clinch. Actually, you know what? I I will, I'll hold it. I'll hold my Big Ten prediction until, well, now. What place does Michigan State finish in the Big Ten? Amanda, I'll start with you. Give me your top four in the Big Ten conference.
1: So I've got Michigan State finishing first, mm-hmm. then U of M. Okay. Then Purdue's up there. Okay. And then Nebraska. Nebraska. Nebraska's going to sneak in there. They will. I think they they had their chance last year and they did prove themselves but they just didn't make it but this year I think is their year and but MSU is going to going to finish on top.
0: MSU regular season champs. Yep. Second straight year. Oh yeah. In the eyes of Amanda Pool. Yep. Julian Mitchell. I am with Amanda Poole.
2: I think Michigan State wins the Big Ten, the second straight year in the regular season. I have them as my number one in the conference. Then Purdue. I really do love this Purdue team. I'm a big fan of Carson Edwards. I think he's a fantastic player. And I think think they do come in second. I think it'll be a very close race between them and the University of Michigan, Mm -hmm. the Wolverines. I think Michigan has a great team built around Charles Matthews and a lot of freshmen that they bring in as well. Uh, I think they're going to shock some people, and Wisconsin is my fourth team. I like this Wisconsin team a lot, and I think based on the players they have, this is a very kind of not comparing the players necessarily, but an Ohio State Aaron Kraft feel to Ooh. it. Like Brad Davidson and Ethan Happ mm-hmm. are some bad boys who are going to run into teams like Purdue or in Indiana. And just give them the work.
0: Like that Aaron Kraft and Jared Sullinger, yeah. that that team there, that was what, 2012 I think was yeah. those two teams when Ohio State was kind of right up there with Michigan State for the Big Ten. Those were, and and that comparison is absolutely true. And I'm actually going to go reverse order with my Big Ten storter, or my Big Ten standings. Fourteenth Rutgers, 13, no, I'm kidding. I'm starting with four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I get that out there? Oh, I'm sorry, Rutgers. Um, love Steve Peichel. I think he's a great coach. Rutgers just doesn't have much going yeah, for them. Nothing happening. He's there. in a tough spot there. Number four, I've got Indiana, and I think we saw a bit of hope for them last year. They didn't. They didn't make the tournament. They, but Archie Miller. I went there actually, for that game there, and they see Archie Miller just as the like the second coming of Bob Knight. I mean, it's, and maybe it's the fact that he has a unique first name. I mean, they just love saying Archie. We just love Archie. And Indiana basketball fans are so passionate. It's crazy. They that is a program. once they get going, If you want to play at Indiana and win, I mean, you got to play your butt off because that place is so tough to win. Assembly Hall, beautiful. Had to get that out there. Indiana, I've got fourth. Romeo Langford, I think, comes in and makes a good contribution there. Fantastic player. Yeah, absolutely. Getting a lot of hype as the freshman of the year in the Big Ten, and I don't think there's going to be much competition. Number three, I have Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin, we are just kind of raving about them. We saw Brad Davison drop a bajillion on Michigan State in back-to-back games last year. I think he does that in a more of a season-long role. He doesn't drop 31 every game, but uh, he's a player that he can he can do a really good job. Second, I have Michigan. And first, I have Michigan State. I think it comes down to Michigan State and Michigan, which is my dream scenario every year because I just think this is a tremendous college basketball rivalry. It's a tremendous rivalry, period. I think it's so good for the state of Michigan that that rivalry owns the Big Ten, and I think it will this year. And the Big Ten kind of knows it because they don't play until the 28th and 31st games of the year. So, Spartan fans who want to get back at Michigan for winning their two meetings last year, one at the Breslin, one in the Big Ten, want to get back at them for the football loss a couple weeks ago, you have to wait until the end of February to play against Michigan at Michigan. So, I think they lose that game at Michigan, too. But that sets it up March 9th. Ooh, March 9th at the Breslin Center. Michigan and Michigan State play for the Big Ten championship, and I think Michigan State wins it. I think they overtake Michigan by one game in the standings to win the Big Ten regular season conference title. I'm getting giddy just thinking about it. I'm not even going to be here, guys. I'm going to be like <laughs> I'm going to be three months graduated by that time. But I think it comes down to that. Uh, Michigan, a very similar team to Michigan State this year, I think, with Xavier Simpson. A great point guard, I think. Uh under maybe most underrated point guard in the Big Ten. Um a, a freshman class with five guys just like Michigan State. I, I think they're gonna be good this year. Charles Matthews too, you're right. I don't have Purdue in there, by the way. That's that's the one that you guys had that I didn't. I just I don't buy it with Purdue. I think, and I never do, by the way. <laughs> if anybody's been listening to the podcast for three years, I think they know I've never picked Purdue to be in the top four. I was wrong the last two years, but they've got Carson Edwards and then not much of, I mean, Matt Harms is good, but they lost four starters from last season, and that's that's tough to do. So I, I think that Purdue takes a step back this year. They're rated in the preseason this year, I think, because Carson Edwards is going to be sweet, but that's to me that's kind of all they got. What seed does Michigan State get in the NCAA tournament? I'm gonna start with Amanda. The seed. The seed, yes.
1: Um I'm I'm putting them at three. I think that same
0: seed as last year.
1: Yes. I think that they're in the same boat. I mean, they have a solid team, and that's the solid seed for them to kind of go places with.
0: Julian. So so you think 28 and three, by the way. Twenty-eight and three gets them a three seed. Yeah, I think a, I think if they're nineteen and one in the Big Ten, I think that's good enough for two or even a one.
1: I mean, that'd be great too, but
0: they did go twenty eight and three last year and got a three seed. So, yeah, hey. yeah, it's unpre- it's not unprecedented.
2: I have Michigan State as a four seed. Mm-hmm. I think you know where this team is at a nice a nice rounded four seed in a sort of middle of the pack type of way, not a top team in a one or a two, but a nice four.
0: I'm going to go with a three seed as well, Amanda, and I know that. My record uh, pr- projection is less than, say, Julian's or definitely less than yours. But I, I think that to win a Big Ten like this year's Big Ten is going to be, this is a much, much better conference than last season's Big Ten. Maryland is going to be up. We talked about Wisconsin. Purdue with Carson Edwards, it'll still be a good a good team. Indiana's on the up and up. Even, Even a Penn State, you know, is always a threat. Minnesota's a threat. I really like the way that the Big Ten will be perceived this year. I think it's good. So if Michigan State wins the Big Ten, I think that propels them at least to a three seed, maybe even to a two, even with six losses. We could see that happen. How far? This is, I think, the big deal with this year. They could win the Big Ten. Whatever it is, I think... This team is really going to be judged by where it goes in the NCAA tournament because there's been a lot of disappointments in the last few years. So, Julian, we'll start with you. Where do you see Michigan State going in the NCAA tournament this year?
2: I have this team as a Sweet 16 team. I think this, this is a very good Tom Izzo Michigan State team, but I think they run into a buzzsaw side, whoever they play in that Sweet 16 game who will just have a better game plan than them and be a little bit more talented.
0: Amanda.
1: I'm going to have to disagree. My confidence in this team, guys, I'm telling you. I I believe they're going to make it to the Final Four. Oh. This is a solid team, and they have this whole season to keep working on their craft. And I think at the end of the season, they're Final Four material.
0: Final Four material. And that's on the backs of, I would say, if they get to the Final Four, that's on the backs of, like you said, a, a guard like a Cassius Winston in that that combination so with that experience and everything i tend to agree this team has final four potential i'm just gonna say sweet 16 as well i putting them as a three seed in that kind of a range i i don't know that they have all the talent that a kansas a kentucky a duke has and i think that's the teams that they're gonna have to run into in that sweet 16 matchup in in a whether it's a one seed or a two seed that they play against typically that's that's who it would be against. I just don't think they quite have that this year. Now, I say that this year because I think this this team is is going to be good. They're going to do a good job and they can get to that second round of the second weekend of the tournament, which would be an upgrade from the last few years, right? But I think they can build really towards next season, especially if a Nick Ward stays. Now, that's the question here. Which players, if any, leave for the NBA draft? Because I think I think this year is kind of the warm-up, the tune-up year for 2019-20, to 20, which is, I think, the best shot for this team to get Izzo's second national title. Because look at what they just got. They just got a recruit, a four-star recruit. Michigan State's in the running for some five-star recruits, by the way. That would be freshmen that year. Also another one, Rocket Watts coming in. And then you look at a senior like Cassius Winston, Josh Langford, uh, Nick Ward potentially. But do you think those guys all stay? Amanda, we'll start with you.
1: I think Nick Ward's gone. I think he's going to surprise everybody this year with his improvements. I mean, even his mindset is completely different. It is. We were talking about this earlier in his interviews, his how he I mean, composes himself. And he is just so professional and serious about this passion of his and I think that that's going to take him far and it's going to take him away from Michigan State basketball
0: the maturity aspect I think is huge after covering the team last year and I'm not I'm not just humble bragging or anything I'm giving you hey this is what I saw last year is look first off he's a good kid he is but I do think that he's taken a different step forward this year so far at least before all the games and everything maybe things change during the season maybe goes back to and I'm not saying he was a problem before but there's just a different sense of maturity that we've seen so far from him after that NBA draft process and everything so I think that carries him to be more efficient this year stay on the court more he's worked on the things that the NBA teams told him I think he leaves after this year. That's that's my pick as well, Nick Ward to leave. But that's it. Julian, do you agree with that at all?
2: I do. I do have Nick Ward leaving. I. It's gonna be hard. I definitely. I would not be surprised if he stays. Yeah. Because I don't think he's gonna go high in the draft, and I think potentially looking at where he's gonna be slotted at. Yeah. He'll say, you know what? Let's try
0: and win a national championship. Yeah. But he, he could be a bottom first round, top of the second round guy. I just don't know. Exactly if he has the potential to get to a, like a lottery pick, I don't, exactly. I don't think he does.
2: Because that's, that's the thing, is that he can either look at that and say, I'm going to stay another year and just try and win a championship and then go do what I do in the NBA, mm-hmm. or he's going to say, I'm not going to get any higher, and I'm going to go. He's already dipped his toe in. He knows what it feels like. He's probably smelled a little bit of cash. And, you know, I wouldn't mind him for leaving. But I think he's the only player. That's the only guy I can see who has draft pick potential mm-hmm. as of right now. But as you said, that sets up Michigan State for what could be another great season after this? Because I mean, you talk about losing Nick Ward, you just slot in Marcus Bingham Jr. And if you break Tom Izzo's back enough, maybe he'll he'll run a small ball lineup with Jr. at the five. But mm-hmm. you know, that's just potential down the line. But I think Nick Ward's the only guy.
0: I think that's pretty fair. I think it's pretty fair to say with Nick Ward, if, if you're exactly right, he can stay after this year. And, and of course, we don't know anything of what the season has come out to. But hey, that's why we do these, right? Will either sound like geniuses or idiots in about in about three (laughs) months, four months. It's
1: either bad or good. Oh yeah, it's it's no in between.
0: But now we're going to get into this is the real part that we might look back on and be like, what were we thinking? Because I was looking at the ones from last year and thinking, hmm, what was I thinking? (laughs) So everybody, I want you to just say it with me now. Are we ready? The, the impact, impact is on Awards
2: watch list.
0: watch list. Awards Watch List.
2: Okay, thank you. Awards
0: Watch list. My bad. Echo, 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 echo,
2: Awards Watch
0: List. <laughs> this kind of got creepy. Halloween's <laughs> over, guys.
1: So much <laughs> whispering whisper, today. Whisper, whisper, whisper.
0: Let's start off with who do you believe will be the leading scorer on this Spartan team? And actually, I'm going to go with give us your top two. Your first and your second leading scorers for Michigan State, Julian Mitchell. This one was that's tough no, for that's me. That's not my pick for leading scorer. Just, I'm although I Julian would. Mitchell. Although I would. I just want mean,
2: everyone to know that I chose Impact Zone yeah. over being the starting point guard for Michigan State <laughs> basketball. I just want to
0: sauce that idea would, right out there. What would there. your stat line be this year?
2: My stat line this year, 30. 30,
0: <laughs> 30 points. 30 minutes? Oh, 30 points. 30 okay. points. Oh,
1: okay. Hear
0: that one up. 10 rebounds. 10 rebounds. How tall are you? 25 assists.
2: 25. Those may or may not be my stats in NBA 2K19, but we're not. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine.
0: How tall are you in real life and how tall are you in 2K?
2: Uh, in real life, I'm not going to say out loud. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm a generous 5'6". <laughs> <laughs> Very generous. Very generous. About okay. four inches
0: generous. Now 2K.
2: <laughs> now 2K, 2K, I am a sprawling 6'4".
1: <laughs> we love that. We love that. 6-4
0: oh, in 2K, and you're dishing out 25 assists. I'm dropping dimes, <laughs> dimes. all over the floor. Dimes. Well, in, in aside from your fantasy of being the team's <laughs> leading scorer this year, who do you believe will be the top two leading scorers for the Michigan State Spartan varsity basketball team this year? Yeah, so
2: I went back and forth. My leading guy is Cassius Winston. I think he he takes a step up this year, and I think – him and Nick Ward will be kind of back and forth with each other. Last year they were in within a point or so. Nick Ward averaging 12.4. Cash is at about 11.7. I think that's around, not those numbers, but the differential between those two will be about at that point this season. Uh, But I have Winston as my leading guy and then Nick Ward following him shortly after.
0: I'm flipping them, actually. I think Nick Ward, we've talked about his maturity and everything. I think he takes a big step forward this year. And I know that... It's kind of going against conventional wisdom, which is three is worth more than two, right? Sim- simple maths, quick maths. I think Nick Ward takes more shots and is on the court much more than he was last year. And I think that, with his efficiency ratings and everything, I think he is going to be the leading scorer on this team and Cassius Winston is second. Now, Amanda, who do you believe?
1: I have Nick Ward being the leading scorer. He's just he's going to be the go-to guy for a lot of those um a lot of those offensive plays. And secondly, I have Xavier Tillman right now. Oh. If he gets the minutes, if he gets the time, the opportunity Okay, to make... there's no
0: caveats here. Okay. <laughs> we we are strictly
1: sorry, this is my be-bold. first award show. I'm sorry. Get it out there. I mean, yes, Xavier Tillman has has the ability to be a lead scorer mm-hmm. just because he can make those opportunities. He can finish. We've seen his improvement. Yes, Cassius Winston is there, but I think he's going to be more there as a, a playmaker and not a point getter.
0: I so. like it. I, I think that's a good pick, and you might be proving us completely wrong. I might be. Yeah.
1: The prophecy might be different. Oh. I don't know. That's Take that. Nice. <laughs> Take that,
0: prophet. It's not what I saw in
2: my Take little that. drawings on the cave wall. That is not what I saw.
1: <laughs> the cave wall? Oh, Jeez. my God. What
0: is it? Uh, fourth century now? Jeez. Okay, i got to check what year it is. In the meantime, uh, Amanda, who do you believe will be your leading rebounder for Michigan State this year?
1: Nick Ward uh, all the way.
0: Julian? I don't
2: think there's any debate. Nick I Ward. don't think
0: there is either. I think it's Nick Ward. He's the guy, and I think it starts and ends with the fact that the front court is just not nearly as deep this year. So I'm going to go with Nick Ward as well. I think we'd be shocked if he's not by the end of this year. I picked Jaron Jackson last year because I saw how long his arms were, but it ended up being... Nick Ward just barely edging out Miles Bridges. How about the largest improvement in points per game from last year? Now, who do you think will take the biggest step forward as far as points per game, Amanda Poole?
1: I'm going to go with Matt McQuaid on this one. I think he had had averaged six points per game last year, and I think that with his role this year and what he is expected to do, He's got to like double that. He's mm-hmm. gonna he's gonna have a big improvement just because his role in this team is so different this year.
0: Mm-hmm. He will be starting. That's that's yes. the other thing is he'll be starting. Whereas he was playing bench minutes last year and he averaged twenty point five minutes per game last year. So if he bumps that up towards twenty eight or thirty, there's a great shot I think at him. Improving his points per game big time. Mm-hmm. And his
2: his role definitely changes within the system. For he's, sure. Because he's got to be at least hitting three three pointers and then also putting it on the deck and getting to the basket. He so does. that's going to up his points. He does. My guy, it was hard to choose between you two, and I won't say who your pick was, but Amanda went with a six point averager in Matt McQuaid. So it was hard to pick another guy who's low enough score mm-hmm. for a larger improvement. But I went with Josh Langford. Langford had 11.7 points last year. He played a, a Matt McQuaid role as Amanda would have Matt McQuay play this year, I think Langford steps it up. He has to be at least the second or third point getter on this Michigan State team, and I see him as, if he's going to improve, a 15-16 scoring guy for this Michigan State team. But that's my largest improvement, not a guy who's starting at like six or two points, but right. a guy who, I,
0: for me, needs to make a huge improvement. I think that's a good pick, and I, I don't know that he'll increase the most in points per game, mm-hmm. but... I think he he could improve even more on his consistency and his efficiency, especially from outside. So good picks from the two of you, but you're wrong. It's Xavier Tillman. It's absolutely Xavier Tillman. He had 2.8 points per game last year. That's because he only played 8.7 minutes a game. Xavier Tillman. We're talking about him taking a starting role. Uh, Kenny Goins is starting right now at that four position, but I think he takes over and I think Xavier Tillman can drop eight to 10 points a game this year with his improved inside outside game and just his improved body I think it's actually not even going to be close I think Xavier Tillman takes a giant leap forward offensively because he just didn't play much until January February March last year especially March so that's my pick maybe I'm just going off of you know my rocker here I think it's not even going to be close with with Xavier Tillman, but that's just me. Breakout player. We pick this one every year, and you can kind of define it your own way. My basic way of defining it is who, who with with their expectations and what they've done before, who takes the biggest leap forward and breaks out the most of their shell that they're in and plays in a much higher role. I think last year... I don't know who would you say was a breakout player last year could have been josh langford he improved in his points per game a lot i mean tillman basically broke out in march yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Tillman, that just could because, have been one yeah
1: he came right off the bench no right. one really knew but then they're like okay wow he probably does have a lot of potential
0: <laughs> but i who do you guys think for this year as far as a breakout
2: player for me as far as a breakout player and a, and a guy who out of all the freshmen He's the last name I would think of is a guy named Aaron Henry. Mm-hmm. In that exhibition game, he, he played great basketball. He showed a lot of no hesitation right to the rim. He looks strong. He looks ready to play at this level. And Enzo talked about it in the press conference how he's just, he's more ready than any of the freshmen. And for me, I think this is a guy who, when he's out there on the floor, he's going to play very efficient, effective minutes for Michigan State. Amanda.
1: My breakout player is Kenny Goins. Okay. Yes, we can look on the exhibition game and see he had zero points and played for 20 minutes, but you can only go up from there.
0: That's true. Yes, yeah. yes he can break out more from his exhibition, <laughs> scoring-wise, yes. I
1: mean, he he had eight rebounds, two blocks, one steal. He's a go-get-it player. He's that kind of guy that he's always kind of there, and you don't really notice when he does outstanding stuff. So I think he's going to just come out there and woo us with you know this being a big year for him. It's his last year. and It he's, is. He's going to go for it and I think hopefully break out of his, you know, not consistency, but just do more, do more Mm -hmm. than we always think that he's going to do.
0: Just under 14 minutes a game last year for Kenny Goines. He shot 15 threes and made four of them, Uh, started to show a little bit of that outside game. So that's a possibility. 2.1 points per game. He definitely has room to improve on that, especially in a much larger role this year. So that's a good pick but you're all wrong again. It's Kyle Arns. I don't know why Tom Izzo has been talking so much about him, but I'm going to take his word for it, basically. <laughs> he's he When he talks about his rotation, he talks about, okay, who's starting? Cassius Winston, Josh Langford, Matt McQuaid, Nick Ward, and Kenny Goines or Xavier Tillman. And, and so those guys are kind of the top six right now. And then his next two that he talks about are Kyle Arnes, who was the first one off the bench the other day, and Aaron Henry. I don't know why he, he I mean, we haven't seen much from Kyle Arnes over his career. 8.2 minutes a game last year, it's two point, or excuse me, didn't play last year after his injury. 8.2 minutes a game, 2.6 points per game two seasons ago. I think he comes back and plays in that role. Of coming off the bench, playing solid defense, and knocking down some threes. He's a physical player. He can drive to the basket. And again, rebounding and defense, I think he can provide that more than people rate him for. So, Kyle Arnes, that's my pick for breakout player. That one, that's maybe the most outrageous of my picks that I've maybe done in a while.
1: Well, it's just because it's a complete wild card. We it haven't is. seen him play for a year. You don't know what to expect exactly all yeah. season.
0: He's supposed to have the highest vertical on the team though. So that's a positive. Uh, and <laughs> when when Amanda and I heard that at the press conference, we went, "What?
1: Excuse highest me. Highest vertical? Kyle
0: Arns? Can we can we yep, see evidence. that? Can we see <laughs> the tape? Let's see the, let's see the replay." But uh, for whatever reason, I'm picking Kyle Arns. Sixth man of the year. Now, we like to point out that right now the starting five is Winston, Langford, McQuaid, Ward, Goins. So sixth man of the year is somebody who comes off the bench, right? And and plays well. So how do you guys see the sixth man of the year award playing out, young Julian? I I'm gonna go with
2: Xavier Tillman. And I think he there's a lot of contention between him and Goins as to who is really going to start in the end. But I like Tillman as that as that sixth man off the bench because I definitely I feel like with Michigan State Kenny Goins isn't going to give it to you off the bench. I think you need a true spark plug who's going to really dominate for you as a bench player. And I think Tillman is that guy, so I like him in that spot for this team. And as you know, you talked about with your largest improvement in points per game, I think he's going to have a really dominant season and he's going to lead that bench mob.
0: Mm-hmm. Bench mob, ooh. I no, they're mobbing here. <laughs> I didn't know that was coming.
1: <laughs> Tillman off the bench, okay.
0: they're going to be mobbing. Okay.
2: All right. Okay.
1: All right. I'm going to agree with Julian. I think Xavier Tillman is going to be that sixth man if he does not take um, the starting spot of Kenny. Um, and I think Izzo had said before he likes Xavier off the bench. He likes the energy that Tillman gives um, the players when he comes onto the court, um, not starting it off. I mean, Ryan said before, 2.8 points per game last year for Tillman. I mean, improvement is inevitable here. He's going to be that person that just sticks out, does his job better than we all expected him to do.
0: You guys are thinking great with this, phenomenally. But I think Kenny Goins is going to be the sixth man of the year because I think Xavier Tillman is going to be so good that he takes his starting job. Now, I know that that's that's actually going to be tougher to do than I think we're thinking here. Because Tom Izzo is going to want to stick with his redshirt senior Kenny Goins. He's been here five years, and and you know what you're getting with him. But I think Xavier Tillman's too talented and has improved too much to keep on the bench. So I think he's going to start, which means I think Kenny Goins is still going to play a good role as a sixth man. I think that's just I just think that's his ceiling as a college basketball player as a sixth man. He can be a rebounder. We saw him get some phenomenal. Uh, rebound totals. He had nine in a game last year. 13 is his career high. Those against Louisville a few years ago. He's long, lean, and I think he can play good defense, and that's what a sixth man needs to do. So Kenny Goins is my sixth man of the year. Now, we're getting close here to the end here on the predictions and on the awards. We would be remiss. Now, we didn't even talk about this last year, actually, because. There was one hot shot freshman, Jaron Jackson, who ended up being the number four pick in the NBA draft, and Xavier Tillman. We didn't think much of Xavier Tillman. He ended up breaking out by the end of the year. This year, there's a five-man freshman class. So, we can have a spirited debate about this. Who will be the freshman of the year, Amanda?
1: I'm going to go with Marcus Bingham Jr., if not redshirted, which we all agreed that he should. You know, no caveats. <laughs> okay, so it's going to be Marcus Bingham Jr. Oh,
0: there
2: we go. Oof, oof. Oof. She said that with authority. Authority.
1: I mean, he he just, he's huge. He can be that person on the court for nine minutes and get 12 points out of it. He will use his time on the court when he gets that time mm-hmm. to just make things happen. I think that he's going to stand out in those um, situations more than Aaron Henry, Gabe Brown, even though their bodies might be more ready than his. Mm-hmm. But I think he's his mindset and how much he wants it is gonna help carry him to the top.
0: We have seen it. You know, in in talking with him at Media Day, he he was happy, he has character, he's ready to get out there. Uh I just I just wonder how physically he can hold up. So but you can't argue with six eleven. You know, <laughs> that's just flat out and we saw that outside shot too. Mm-hmm. So he's he's got a lot of Jaron Jackson in him. He's he's not NBA ready like Jaron Jackson was, but He's got a lot of that in him, so I-, I like to pick.
2: Yeah, my freshman of the year, I'm going to go with Aaron Henry. I think Henry is the most ready to play at this level than any of the freshmen out here. I think, as Izzo said, his body is ready to go. And in the exhibition, we saw, although a very small sample size, he showed no hesitation. And that's a big that's a big freshman hurdle that it usually takes a lot of games for freshmen to get over. But seeing him in that exhibition, he was ready to go. He'd get the ball right off the touch, and without thinking of where he was going to go next, he takes his first step to the rim. And for a freshman player, that's that's a big thing to do already. I do think Gabe Brown, Gabe Brown is going to rival him for this award. I think Gabe Brown's a guy who's going to hit some big three-point shots for this Michigan State team. But I think Gabe has to get over that hesitation. He hesitated a little bit to shoot some threes in the exhibition game. So I'm going to go with Aaron Henry. I think he's the, the most sure pick out of all of them.
0: I'm going to just about echo you on that. And and I don't know if it's because we were watching that game next to each other or, I mean, look, first off, Tom Izzo has said Aaron Henry is the most ready. And he has said that since, like, September and all throughout the preseason. He said during the summer and everything, Aaron Henry showed out. I keep wanting to go back to Gabe Brown because I, I look at Gabe Brown and I see more of a ready, maybe even professional, eventually, basketball player. He's more chiseled, I think, than Aaron Henry. But Henry has this little bit of a finesse when he drives to the basket, and that slashing type of forward is something that Tom Izzo's teams have not had since ever. And I think that's really exciting to watch from the wing, a guy like Aaron Henry, getting to the rim, drawing contact to at least getting fouled, I think he definitely is going to be the freshman of the year. Like I said, with with Gabe Brown, I saw him play over uh, the summer in Moneyball in the tournament, and I thought he was going to be the guy. But it's going to be Aaron Henry this year by by all reports so far. And when you mentioned the hesitation, there were a few possessions. Gabe Brown would have a lane, but I think he thinks a little too much of, I'm going to take an outside shot now. Aaron Henry, however, was more of a, there's my lane, I'm going to go right now. Like, no hesitation. Gabe had a little bit of that hesitation, a half second to a second, which is a long, long time in college basketball. So I I think it's going to be Aaron Henry. You're exactly right. But exciting to watch this five-man freshman class, very, right? I mean, very. they each have their their pros and cons, you know? They each... Foster Lawyer, we know he can shoot, we know he can pass, but can he play defense? Marcus Bingham, man, he's tall, but can he put up with physicality? Aaron Henry, boy, he can drive, but is that the, the height of his potential? What, what more can he do? Gabe Brown, better shooter, but can he drive? And then Thomas Kithier, I think that's the one that we're all kind of forgetting, They've really liked how Thomas Kithier has showed up here, especially after missing a year playing, not playing at Clarkston after transferring from Macon, Dakota. So maybe Kithier gets in. Yeah, maybe he gets in in garbage minutes, but he could be a guy that comes in and plays like he hasn't played in two years and just plays carefree. So I think that can be pretty exciting to watch this whole five-man freshman class.
1: I think especially with this team knowing that they all work so hard together and help each other out knowing that it's going to be cool to see them on the court you know giving those freshmen minutes and just seeing what they do with them and how they use those minutes to get better and help the whole team as a whole i'm i'm really really excited to see what this team does
0: yeah, absolutely
2: yeah this is very exciting and then you, we've talked about it earlier on in the show of how this may not be the year for Michigan State, but next year it could be mm-hmm. the year. And I think it starts with the freshmen. This is a freshman class that is a – it's an ISO class mm-hmm. of where I don't have the guys who are necessarily the most talented, but they all fill some sort of role. And when they're ready, and whether that be next season has yet to be determined, but if they're ready, they all can fill a role that can lead this team to the
0: promised land if they want to.
1: To the promised land. Mr. Prophet. I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't believe it. That's – um. That's what we need on the Impact on podcast. I'm gonna have to change my Twitter name. <laughs> the, prophet. <laughs> Him, the Prophet. I don't think it's that theory. Prophet Mitchell twenty five. I, I, I think it's Your that prophecies serious. need to check out first. Why twenty five, by the way? Uh my birthday, June twenty fifth. Oh, June twenty fifth. Okay. Yeah. Are you not cancer? not February fifth. I am a cancer.
2: Me
1: too. Uh, well, oh I'm goodness. a cancer. No way.
0: I'm June twenty second.
1: Wait, stop it. I'm July sixth. <gasps> this is why we all vibe so well together. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right, let's talk <laughs> basketball again. <laughs> Let's
0: go through.
2: Oh, gosh. She's going to show up with horoscopes
0: next time we record right. this. Right, yeah. You're Sagittarius of the year, everybody. It was your Sagittarius of the year. Wow, I can't. We talk about it all on that was the a moment. We that was just a... had a moment, guys. We just had a moment. I'll just hold hands over here on Studio H. Now, I, I can't, I can't help, before we get to Kansas, I can't help but look at these and notice- we don't talk much about Josh Langford or Matt McQuaid. Those are the two guys that I think are, are really kind of in limbo as far as, okay, have they reached their potential or is there that next-level thing that they can give? And, of course, first thing you think of, of, what can you give when you think of a Tom Izzo team? Defense. Those two guys shared the co-defensive player of the year on Michigan State last year on this team, can they still take another level forward? You know, we look at the points per game, of course, but can they be better defensively? So as far as their roles and everything, I'm kind of curious what you guys think as far as just those two players. We haven't talked about them much with this awards watch list. I mean, you, you mentioned Josh Langford, Julian, as far as largest improvement in points per game, but that was it. So what... What are we thinking as far as McQuaid and Langford? I don't really have much of a question, but just just an observation, right? I mean, yeah, these guys need to be better.
2: Yeah, that's that's the thing. They just need to be better. But there comes a question of, at least from what we've seen, I don't know how. Mm -hmm. I don't know. At least at that exhibition, I expected Langford to play better, and he just didn't. And I don't know how much of it is whether plays are being ran for him or if he's just not making the shots. But he had a lot of contested mid-range and three-pointers that he took that I was like, why are you taking the shot? Mm-hmm. And if you're going to take the next step for him, it's not just playing with the basketball and getting your shots there, but he just doesn't look great off the ball. His off-the-ball movement just isn't there, at least with the small sample size we have this season. And that's where he's got to step up is moving off of Cassius Winston, getting set with you know pin-down screens to get him open. He's got to make those shots. And that's kind of where he's going to be at is if he can take that next step of being a better offensive player and working within the offense and then same thing for Matt McQuaid he's just got to work within the offense and he's got to knock down shots that's the biggest thing
1: yeah it's definitely something to point out just because there has been so much like talk about all these other players and I think where they're getting this disconnect where they're not getting this light is because I feel like their their roles like yes their roles have changed but their skills and everything like that we haven't seen a huge change like you know Nick Ward's body's changed. Xavier's improved so much we're excited to see his potential and what he does this year and for Josh Langford and Matt McQuaid it's just yep this is another year they're both captains Mm -hmm. we're going to see what they do it's energetic like they're great leaders on the court that's it that's it we're not talking about this is going to be their year the rebounding this isn't this like it's just kind of they're just very consistent players and it's hard to see the improvements
0: it's a little quieter with them yeah and maybe I'm glad you brought up the captain thing too Amanda because maybe that's why those two were voted captains is maybe it's the team and maybe it's Tom Izzo trying to get that extra level out of them somehow by, by title. I mean, obviously you don't need a title to lead. You don't need a title of captain to be a great college basketball player, but maybe that's what those guys need is that extra responsibility. Yeah. It's pressure to put pressure on them. Exactly. Maybe it's healthy pressure too. So I I think that's what we could be seeing with Josh Langford and Matt McQuaid and, they got to make sure that they can handle that pressure, though, Amanda. Because, I mean, if they don't, Michigan State's not gonna—they're not gonna go that far this year. That's—it's that's just flat out the truth.
2: And that's the thing. I think—I think that was great with the pressure. These are two guys who have to take on a more offensive role, and they gotta want the basketball. They do. You look at a Nick Ward. Nick Ward says, "I'm trying to go to the draft. Give me the ball down low." Yep. We Cassius saw him. Winston. We saw him
0: just back down those smaller guys against exactly. Northern Michigan because he knew, hey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got this. These guys, these guys got yep. nothing against me. But uh,
2: when I watch Langford, when I watch McQuaid, they're content to do their side on the defensive end of the ball. But when it comes to offense, it's just motions. Mm-hmm. But Langford, you got to be a better scorer. You got to want the basketball. You just say, "Hey, Cassius, this is my spot. Let me take it from fifteen feet. Let me do a turnaround from right here. Let me drive. Let me drive. Let me slash and put yeah. it on the deck. You, you stay out to the lane. I'll kick it if you're open. But I'm taking this to the
0: hole. It's that's what these guys can do. And and I think. I think it's their time, you know, they've been on campus long enough. It's their time to take that next step forward. So I'm glad we talked about that because look, I mean, those two guys are, you know, yeah, they're maybe not as flashy of names and everything as a Cassius Winston at the point guard position, of course, or Nick Ward, we've seen with him, but they're just as important. They're just as important. And obviously as the captains, they certainly are. So let's get into it. The first, Game of the season is on the horizon. And let's just say it's no Northern Michigan. (laughs) Number one, Kansas, is Michigan State's first game of the year and also the first college basketball game of the season. It's beginning with the Champions Classic, number 10 Michigan State, number one Kansas in Indianapolis. I have always loved this event. It started in 2011. It's Michigan State, Kansas, Duke, and Kentucky. I absolutely love this event. It's like a Final Four, except on the first day of the season now. They just adjusted the season to where it begins with the Champions Classic. Now, ESPN runs the event. I'm sure ESPN had their own, you know, say on, you know, hey, maybe we should start with with our event. But... I've always just been fascinated with this event because it's so cool. You get a marquee matchup, two marquee matchups right off the bat and Michigan state has historically done decent in this event, Kentucky and Duke, I believe are the best records in this event, Kansas and Michigan state, not so much, but Michigan state does do well (coughs) against Kansas. So I'm, I'm really excited to see this and, when we talk about the preseason number one team for Kansas, it's not because they return a lot of guys; it's because of a lot of transfers and a lot of incoming guys. So, I'm kind of curious to see how Kansas plays out there.
2: Yeah, this is going to be a fantastic game. If you're a college basketball fan like I am and we are, this is you can't imagine a better way to start the season. You no. get a look at Kansas, Michigan State, and then Duke right after that. The Zion Williamson show, uh-huh. R.J. Barrett, stop
0: it. Kentucky's got a great class freshman too. Exactly. I mean, exactly. I'm. This is gonna be awesome. It's, it's, and it was amazing. A, it was a blessing to get to go last year to watch Michigan State and Duke, number one versus number two last year. By the way, Michigan State not as highly rated as last year, but uh, losing that one in Chicago. But I just I was, like, wow, this is so cool. Like finally here, you know. But but the breakdown on Kansas course, is yes. that they've got a lot of transfers and mm-hmm. everything. Bill Self, a great coach and everything. But is this Kansas team? one of the better ones that we've seen of Kansas in the last 10, 15 years.
2: I think so. I think this is a very different Kansas team and a more bill self Kansas team, at least looking at the roster. Last year or a couple years before, he had to work a lot with the wings and guards who were ball handling that were a little bit out of his style, but he's back to a more traditional big men type of game. And you talk about the transfers. Diedrich Lawson is one transfer from Memphis who is absolutely filthy, absolutely amazing, averaging 20 points per game last season. He's going to be a big wing for Bill Self to work with. He's got a great freshman point guard in Quentin Grimes and then LaGeral Vic to his side who's a sharpshooter. Um He's got two fantastic big men down low. It's just a well-rounded, deep, just a great team for Bill Self to work with.
0: We saw Vic. You know, I, I think he's a heck of a player, but you also wonder with all these new pieces for them going against a team like Michigan State that has a little more experience, 180 combined starts for Michigan State. Can they fix it all together in time for a quality opponent in Michigan State? So I think that's where Michigan State gets his shot. It's... The experience of Michigan State against guys that just haven't played together as much in Kansas.
1: Yeah, I definitely think experience is a huge factor in both of these teams. Michigan State has the experience in the program. They have these basketball players. And that
0: together, have, yeah. Yes,
1: yes. But Kansas has experience just basketball in general. Even the transfers, they mm-hmm. might not be experienced in Kansas basketball, but they're experienced in basketball. I think that's what it comes down to. So this kind of combating both these teams are pretty similar in a lot of ways, and we're just going to see how, how they play each other.
0: It's going to be exciting. 7 o'clock on Tuesday, the Champions Classic from Indianapolis. Banker's Life Fieldhouse, a great arena. And that's, Amazing. That's the place where I kind of got my you know inkling of, hey, I'm going to go do this because Blake Froling and I went to go cover the Big Ten tournament at Banker's Life Fieldhouse in 2016. And so, uh, I- I'm very excited to go back there Uh, much more sure of myself in this business. Um, But we have to start off the season with more predictions, of course, right? We will keep standings throughout the year as far as how... We think it's going to play out. Davey won the uh, standings the last couple of years. I'm a little salty, so I'm looking to take out my anger on you guys. So no pressure.
1: Looking forward to
0: it. uh, But as it goes is you get one point for a win, right, if you pick the correct winning team. But also, whichever one picks the closest scoring margin, the closest margin of victory, gets an extra point. So, for instance, in this exhibition game, Julian picked Michigan State by 13. I picked Michigan State by 20. Amanda picked Michigan State by 23. Should we have begun the standings with the exhibition game, Amanda would be leading 2 to 1 to 1 right now. But because I'm trying to win, <laughs> we're not going to count the exhibition it's rigged. game. It is it's all rigged. rigged. <laughs> no, we we don't we don't count the exhibition season. But great job, Amanda. And uh you're dead to me. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. I told you, I'm taking <laughs> Such this serious. Negative sh- vibes. I'm winning this. Now we're all
1: vibing, cancers. Where, where's the cancer love?
0: Well, but there's also like a competition among the cancers, okay. too, right?
1: Yep. Very competitive.
0: Very competitive. Mm-hmm. Also, very sensitive. So, I might cry after this, but it's fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: well, then I'll, I'll let you just get your pick out of the way right now so you can go cry about it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, well, my pick is the— yeah. <laughs> He's
0: breaking down. Oh,
2: <laughs> I have the Kansas Jayhawks winning this game. I just think they're the more talented team, in Michigan State is not necessarily ready as of yet to take them on. So I think the Jayhawks win this one by a final score of 80-72. to 80-72. to 72.
0: Kansas, uh, they did beat Michigan State in the NCAA tournament two seasons ago now. 90-70, uh, to 70. that was a much better Kansas team, obviously, than, than Michigan State was. But Amanda?
1: I am going to pick Kansas over Michigan State. Yes, the team is going to win, but by 20. I have 85-65. Ooh. I think Kansas is going to shut down Michigan State, and it's going to be a tough loss. Big one. Yep.
0: Big one. I'm mm-hmm. going with 72-65. Michigan State loses <laughs> to the Kansas Jayhawks. I just think yeah, they're they're too talented and I think there's a lot of moving parts for Michigan State that are and we they got to go see Gonzaga which should help them in this game playing against a more talented team but I don't know. I I just I just get the feeling that this Michigan State team can't exactly stack up to Kansas the way that they typically do when they play against the Kansas team in the tournament or in this champions classic, um, Kansas getting a lot of hype, man, this, this off season. So I'm going to pick Kansas to win it. Oh, Hey, we will be there. And you can follow at WDBM sports for all of our stuff on Instagram, Twitter, everything like that. uh, As far as that goes, but guys, I'm so excited to get down there. I'm going to miss you guys.
2: But I know. You if you want to call my professor and try to move to the midterm. I know, yeah.
0: That would be great. Prior, Same thing mine. prior engagements, I know. But that's the thing is you can't put class before sports. Come on.
2: I thought we were, we're student podcasters, though. Or is that just another made up term? That's,
0: <laughs> <laughs> just like student athletes? Like, <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. We're getting, we're getting on the NCAA here, aren't we, as far <laughs> as our terminology? Well, thank you for listening to this very long episode, but a great, fun filled one. Episode 3 of The Impact is on podcast season 6. All our predictions are out there. Let's see how we do. Do you who do you guys are you guys confident? You oh.
1: Co- oh yeah. yeah. I think I'm going to I think I'm going to be everybody else.
0: Everybody? Including
1: the prophecy. The prophet.
0: Prophet? Your your comments? I am the prophet. I think my, I, I, my name prophet. speaks for itself.
1: We'll see. We'll see.
0: Well, on that happy note, thank you for listening to The Impact is on podcast everybody. Stay safe out there and uh, let's get this college basketball season tipped off.
3: What a huge game for both teams, but especially Michigan State.